Okay, welcome to all of you to the Leadership Institute. I'm glad to see so many of you signed up, and we really want you to listen to all the presenters today, and as our convention theme is on dreams, we decided we'd start out with a couple of dream quotes. All our dreams can come through if we pursue them. And another one, the second one also from Walt Disney, is if you can dream, you can do it. As we go around and introduce you, um, Kevin's going to come around with the mic. Uh, please, uh, give us <laughs> please give us your, your name and your affiliate, and we would like you to tell us your dream. And um, I'm Artis Bays, and I'm on the leadership committee. And I'd like this event to be very successful and have you all be good leaders in the future. Great. Okay, where's that mic? Do we have a wireless? Where's the wireless mic? Oh, you got it? Okay. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> hello. It sounded like a bad trumpet. <laughs> Who wants the wireless? I guess I'm supposed to designate a runner. All right, where do you want me? Well, let's see. Let's start in the front row all the way over here. Oh, sure. Oh, you would start with me, wouldn't you? Yeah. Could you please mute or turn off your phones, too, so we don't have them ringing during the event? Thank you. Okay, now that that's solved, Okay. Go. Well, my name is uh, Miguel Mike Palomar. I'm um, from El Paso, Texas. I belong to the El Paso Council of the Blind. And uh, my dream is, is to come here to ACB and take as many skills and, and uh, meet as many people, network, so I can take these skills back home. And then I'm living my dream right now. Thank you so much. Over here to this young lady. My name is Mika White, and I am with the Washington Council of the Blind. And my dream is to have is to bring in more members um, who can keep our organization thriving and growing. Yay. Right. Okay. Um, I'll start on this side. I'll just hand it to the next one over. Aloha, my name is Landa. I'm from the state of Hawaii. And my dream is to convince our legislators how important it would be to have a tactile area playground for blind children. Uh, my name is Art Cabanilla, also from Hawaii. And I guess my... <laughs> And the uh, newly elected president for Hawaii. So my new dream is to f get enough information to lead our affiliate. I'm Judy Wilkinson. I'm incoming president of the California Council of the Blind. I assumed office yesterday, and the council is still standing. <laughs> <laughs> it's only the first day, Judy. Yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, my dream is money, money, money. <laughs> There's nobody else by me, so... Uh, just hand... Okay, reach over. I got it. All right, we'll go to this. Whoa, here okay. we go. Thank you. Uh, hello, my name is Susan Ament. I am from the Bluegrass Council of the Blind, and I have lots of dreams. One dream is, of course, to keep the affiliate flourishing, but I also want to meet a lot of people, make new friends, and someday I want to meet the perfect man who will make the perfect partner for me um, in my life. <laughs> My name is Kim Abear. I'm from uh, Louisiana. I'm with the Louisiana Council of the Blind. I'm treasurer of our local group, AACB Acadiana Area Council of the Blind, and I'm hoping to run for president of LCB this year. In August is our convention. And my biggest dream is to go to Italy. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But uh, I do want to bring the skills home of leadership uh, that I learned here today to be able to lead our membership, uh, to get more members, and to be more active. I'm James Edwards, uh, president of the American Council of Blind of Oregon. Uh, my dream would be to see, America, uh, see uh, ACB of Oregon have a leadership role in the state of Oregon, especially in the legislative arena. My name is Marja Byers. I am executive director of Blind Skills. I'm also the Willamette chapter president of ACB of Oregon. And my dream is to complete what we got a grant for this spring, to have a resource center for people in our area to be able to drop in talk to another blind volunteer because I got a lot of blind people who want to be able to be in service of others um, so we can help each other out and a place for us to be able to come and be comfortable together. <clears throat> My name is Jeff Mihalich and I am president of ACB Minnesota. Woo! So, Woo! so welcome all of you to Minnesota, the frozen tundra although it's not quite so frozen right now, but come, come back in a few months, it will be. Anyway, my, my dream is that this will all go off without a hitch. So I'm uh, hopeful for the next nine days that this will be perfect. Thanks very much. My name is Kenneth Simeon Sr., president of ACB of Texas, and I'm with Mika White. That was my dream. That I'm trying to work within my affiliate to make sure that we continually uh, are progressive and plan for the future for ACB to continue to grow. I'm Deb Cook-Lewis. I'm the uh, treasurer for the Washington State Council of the Blind, and I'm on the board of Guide Dog Users of Washington. And um, at home, everybody kind of knows my dream. My dream is that people will actually be excited about bringing in their receipts for things and that we'll be able to have a little bit better, oh, yeah, and we'll be able to have a little bit um, better processes for our sort of fiscal accountability and, and all of our financial things because those are part of what help us with the fundraising as if all of our ducks and books and everything else are in order. So um, that's something that is a passion for me. 
Hi, my name is Rosanna Beaudry, and I'm the Vice President for the Long Island Council of the Blind. We are an affiliate uh, or a chapter of ACBNY, and my, I'm also the president of a brand new Lions group that just started called Marcy Telephone Lions in the state of New York as well. And I'm hoping my dream, actually I have a twofold dream. One is that is to be able to advocate and build a better world of accessibility for those of us with disabilities to live in a sighted world. And my second dream is to be able to bring back leadership, better leadership skills so that I could help my groups develop and continue on and be successful in the road of their journey. And I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Hi, my name is Deanne Elliott. I'm with the Bay State Council of the Blind in Massachusetts. I recently um, chaired, started to chair the uh, legislative committee for our state affiliate, which I'm very excited about. And I dream about someday when we might have a fully accessible internet. My name is Debbie Detheridge, and I'm from Louisville, Kentucky one of the leadership fellows, glad to be here. Um, I'm currently local, my local chapter president of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind, and I'm just excited to learn what I can to take it back, take information back to help other people be better leaders. Karen Campbell, Illinois Council of the Blind. My dream is to see our affiliate grow and thrive in the future. And I hope that some of the, what I learn here will help, help me contribute to doing just that. Thank you. Hello, Lynn Powers, president of ACBI. And I'm just here to learn something. Hi, I'm Sandy Spalletta, and I'm a member of both the District of Columbia Council of the Blind and the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. And I have two goals that are going somewhat opposite directions. I lost sight later in life, and I'd like to help other people who lose sight at an older age realize that doesn't mean the world come to an end. But I'd also like to get new, younger members to join our DC Council. Good afternoon. My name is Rick Petriano. I'm with the Florida Council of the Blind. And my goal here today is to learn more about leadership and what it takes to be a, a, a effective leader and a positive leader and how I can bring that back to the community. <coughs> Here you go. 
I got it. You wish to speak? Okay. Excellent. Okay. Come across here. There you go. My name is Alan Casey uh, from North Carolina. And honestly, uh, I've lived all my dreams to date, and I'm looking for a new one. Hi, I'm, I'm Zelda Gebhardt, and I'm the newly elected um, president of the North Dakota Association of the Blind. And I really would like um, some direction as to, and some tips on how to pair up the people with the duties and responsibilities um, and needing to make appointments for committees and um, not knowing the right people to ask for the right jobs. So that's what I'd like to glean. My name is Donna Hepper. I'm from North Dakota Association of the Blind. Um, I guess I'm, I'm just here to learn more, and hopefully my dream is to continue helping um, other people that have what I have. Good afternoon. My name is Marion Howell. I belong to the Delaware Council of the Blind, and um, my dream for the Delaware Council is to assist people that belong to the council to uh, get enthused about uh, what we're trying to do and to uh, assist my daughter in uh, uh, planning and once again to choose and place people where they can be most effective. Now, I'm 92 years old, and I'm still... <laughs> and I'm still going, and don't you people give up. Keep going. Keep moving, because it's, it's bound to happen. One of these days, something's going to click, and you're going to have a wonderful organization. What's your name again? Marion Howell. That's right. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Thanks. I'm Suzanne Howell, and I'm the acting president of Delaware Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired. And I would also, excuse me, we are very small right now. We're just reorganizing again. And we would like, I would like to see our group grow, get member, new members, and also like Mom said, find people who are effective and place people in roles where they can be effective leaders to help us grow. Uh, we're just about limping along right now, but we're still going, so I will not give up, but I can't do it all. I need to learn how to delegate. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'm Sheila Young um, from Orlando, Florida, Florida Council of the Blind. I am as well, one of the Leadership Fellow winners. Um, one of my dreams has been met by being selected to be here this week, so I just look forward to meeting people and um, learning as much as I can to take it back to FCB. My name is Dawn Earl. I'm from the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. I newly, I'm a newly um, blinded person from about two and a half years ago. I do have some residual sight 
but I'm going back into the working force and I want to learn how to take my leadership skills that I had before and fine tune them so I can be supportive not only for myself as a leader and it's an educator and a marketing assistant but also to help other people be able to have jobs of their passion. My name is Gary Betcher. I'm uh, part of the local ACBM Minnesota chapter. Go Thanks Gophers. for exactly go Gophers. You know that's right. Yeah. Um, Want to welcome all you guys to our Willoughby State of Minnesota. Hope you have a great stay here. Um, represent an organization as the alternate delegate. Um, glad to see a bunch of folks from North Dakota because that's where I got my roots growing up. And uh, just here to, to uh, I currently serve on our our local board and just here to learn tips on how to get um, more younger members too because that's uh, that's going to help us continue to be vital in the future. Thanks for having me. Your uh, shirt gave it away. I figured got to be a local guy. Well, it's actually yeah. be be baseball. Actually. Well, it's yep. three of us in the room. I'm Bill Woolerts. I'm the secretary of our local chapter, the Blinded Veterans Association, and I just want to help people work together to help help our group do things. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ruben Hernandez. I am the Minnesota Regional President of the Blinded Veterans Association. I want to um, continue to help. My dream is I want to continue to help blind veterans as well as civilians to... Um, uh, live a life that is normal as possible for any person with a vision loss. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Mark Bulger. I'm the ACB of Nebraska State President. And my dream is to have or to help uh, other blind people develop and reach their dreams. Hi. Hi. My name is Kathleen Fox. I'm from Nebraska Council for the Blind. My goal is to help our four-legged friends and train them to help us with our vision sites. Okay. Did I miss anybody? She wants a guide dog. I don't think so. Uh, nobody's, nobody's jumping What? up front. Okay, there's some up front here. Okay. That, hmm. Here you go. Hi, my name is Marie Johnson. I am from the lovely state of Ohio. Columbus, the capital city. Um, I work for Ohio Statewide Independent Living Council. I also am a member of the ACB students, and I'm hoping to get some type of um, grasp on. I also have some gradual vision loss due to um, a disease called cone dystrophy that I recently found out I had. So I'm hoping to take back some skills that could be useful for me at work to have know how to um, I don't know how to stand up for myself and tell them I can do it myself. And they always have somebody standing by me to help when I don't need it. So hopefully I can gain some of the leadership to tell them to back off. So. <laughs> You're getting a good start. I like that attitude. Okay. Anyone else? Okay, up in front here, there's a few people. Up by the head table. Um, Cindy and you. We don't want to give it to her. I got to do this I'm Cindy Van Winkle. I'm immediate past president of the Washington Council of the Blind. And my dream has nothing to do with 
ACB or WCB, it would be that my daughter with my three beautiful grandchildren would somehow, uh, her husband would find a job closer to home. So, But they're moving now to Michigan from New York, and that's not anywhere close to Washington. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Thanks. Here, Jim, your turn. Okay, my turn? Yeah. All right, they saved the best for last, I guess. Uh, Jim Urock, ACB Nebraska, immediate past president, member of the planning committee, and I guess my dream, outside of hitting the Powerball <laughs> and giving a million to ACB, as a caveat there, uh, I guess my dream would be to see the state affiliates have the tools, the power they need to thrive and succeed. Okay. I don't think you if I have to, you have to. <laughs> I'm uh, Kevin Berkeley. I'm married to uh, Artis Bazin. I've been a member of AC- ACB for, I don't know, something like 30 years. And uh, my dream is to just get, I guess to just get through this and without going crazy. Just get through this whole thing without going crazy. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming, and thank you for... Thank you for your insightful uh, comments. And now I'm going to introduce our next part of the program. Cindy Van Winkle is going to do a session on identifying personality traits that can help you in leadership. Where's that microphone? Okay. Well, hi, everybody. Hi. Okay. So why even consider personality types. What does that even mean? Most of us have heard of the well-known Myers-Briggs type indicator. Uh, This and similar tests are now used by many organizations and have been for a long time in hiring, professional development, and performance evaluations. Uh, Pretty much you can get all kinds of tests online nowadays. And But the purpose of this segment is to present an overview of four major personality types. They also can be uh, considered behavioral or temperament styles and identify their strengths and challenges because they all have those strengths and challenges and to explore ways to most effectively communicate with each type. So as leaders, we find ourselves interacting with all types of people. And so we want to not only be able to identify our own style so that we know what our strengths and our challenges are, but we also want to be able to have some cues into other people that we work with so that we know how to most effectively work with them, communicate with them, and give them the opportunity to exercise their strengths and to minimize their challenges. That, to me, should be the goal of us as leaders. Uh, First, the segment is for reference only, and we aren't putting ourselves into boxes, right? And second, most of us have a dominant personality type, And we also have uh, secondary, sometimes one or two secondary, and sometimes I believe that we actually have all four. It's just that maybe 
uh, two, one or two of them are a lot uh, fainter. <laughs> um, we're going to do a little quiz. And I'm not asking you to write anything down. This is a mental quiz. It's for you personally. So I'm going to say some traits. And we're going to go through 10 series of traits. And I want you to think about which one of each time I name four, which one would most suit you, okay? Um, we're not going to do anything with it after that. This is for your own sake at this. You know, if you're needing to listen to something on your phone, if you could use a earphone or something, um, yeah, it's distracting for people. All right, so we are going to... Um, this is the five-minute quiz. That's what it, it's called. Okay. So someone who likes to exercise authority. Enthusiastic. Sensitive feelings. Likes instructions. So that's the first four. So think of which one falls into your, your uh, personality or behavior. Can you repeat those? I can. Likes, yep, I just want you to think of one of the, I'm going to name four, and I want you to find the one that suits you, that you think fits you, okay? All right, so I'll do an A, B, C, D, how's that? And then you'll just, so you know when I'm separating. Likes to exercise authority. Enthusiastic is B. C, sensitive feelings. D, likes instructions. Okay? You, I want you to just pick one at this point, okay, from each of these. Which one was what? A was likes to exercise authority. Okay? Enthusiastic, sensitive feelings, likes instructions. Okay. Next one. A, takes charge. B, takes risks. C, loyal. D, accurate. Okay? Next one. A, calm and even keel. B, consistent. D, determined. I mean, C, determined. D, visionary. Okay? Number four, it's not about the letter, it's about the word. So you're going to hear these words later. So just in your mind, I just want you to think of the word or words that, that you think describes you, okay? Number four, very verbal. B, enjoys routine. C, predictable. D, enterprising. Number five, competitive. B, dislikes change. C, C, promoter. D, practical. Number six. I just... 
just whatever words you guys come up with, I, I mean, there's no real test here. I mean, I just want you this, – this is just kind of an icebreaker into this whole thing, okay? So number six, enjoys popularity. B, factual. C, problem solver. D, gives in to others. Seven, productive. B, conscious or conscientious. <laughs> I hope you're all conscious. Please, please, please be conscious. Please. Right. All right, let's start over. A, productive. B, conscientious. C, fun-loving. D, avoids confrontations. Number eight, perfectionist. B, uh, bold. C, sympathetic. D, likes variety. I can't. I, I'm, I'm, this is supposed to be a short little five-minute quiz, so... Number nine, decision maker, B, nurturing, C, detail-oriented, and D, spontaneous. I just bit my thumb. <laughs> spontaneous. Ten, A, inspirational, B, peacemaker, C, analytical, D, persistent. All right. So <clears throat> I'm going to go through. I'm going to put this one aside because I have like three different papers here that I'm using. Um, so if your words were somewhere around these, so um, you would be a driver or a – what was the other word I had for a driver? Um I can't remember. Oh, well. You'd be a driver, okay? And that is accomplishment-oriented, assertive, control-oriented, type A personality, decisive decision-makers, devoted to workaholic, firm and unyielding in relationships, gets to the point, goal and results-oriented, hard-working, high-energy, Impatient, innovative, lovers of challenges, opinionated, blunt, and brusque, overachiever, results-oriented, sometimes stubborn, task-oriented, sometimes mm, tactless at times. Uh, So... So drivers seldom listen to others around them and instead focus on the task at hand. Very focus-driven. They only need to know what and can usually figure out how and why. Okay. The promoter is the next one. Promoter's um, traits are artistic, creative, communicators, dreamers, Excitement about ideas, enthusiastic, quick decision maker, 
unrealistic goals sometimes, seeks approval and needs compliments, makes generalizations, motivators, natural salesmen, outgoing, persuasive, responsive, talkers, and warm. Uh, Promoters tend to not like isolation and will instead vie for attention. They tend to exaggerate and or leave out facts and details. They're big picture person. Um, All right, then we have the supporter. Always willing to help. Ask, asks questions, avoids conflict, dislikes risk, dislikes pressure, dislikes conflicts, followers, very good listeners, higher, highly sensitive, sometimes insecure and likes re, um, reassurance, kind-hearted, Needs to know why and how. Quiet and soft-spoken. Resistant to change. Tendency toward pacifying. The worker bee of an organization, often behind the scenes. Supporters tend to yield rather than deal with a possible confrontation. They have the ability to blend into any situation well. They may appear wishy-washy at times, having difficulty with making firm decisions. Many are music, poetry, and art lovers. Okay, now we have the analysts. I'm not going to say names, but we definitely heard one in their dream describe themselves as an analyst. (laughs) So here's an analyst, cautious, conservative, detail-oriented, follows directions, logical, low pressure, precise, persistent, slow decision-maker, tend to be the planners and organizers, technical-oriented, thinkers, need to know what why and how analysts will tend to withdraw themselves and quietly gather information rather than make a quick decision they can have a difficult time making decisions without all the facts they make great accountants and engineers they may have tendencies toward being highly critical and will will tend to be Pessimistic in nature. They can be very perceptive. All right. So before we continue, um, are you kind of figuring out where you might fall? Are you getting a feel? Okay. Most of us have an idea once we start hearing this. So there are two of these, uh, driver, promoter, supporter, analyst. Two of these are your, um, oh my gosh, I just drew a blank, uh, extrovert, and two of them are your introverts. Um, And 
when we start talking about communicating with each other and people of um, and identifying their particular personality type or or uh, temperament style uh, it's it's important to recognize that the driver and the promoter are your extroverts and your uh, your analyst and supporter are your introverts um, so the difference is you know one re- one really goes and gets their stimulation from the outside from people from other people uh, and the other gets their rejuvenation from Inward, inwardly finding something. Maybe it's regrouping, sitting at the computer or listening to music or something. So that's where they get rejuvenated. And the external or or extroverts tend to get their rejuvenation from being around others. Okay, so I have a task. I'm curious of how many tables we have. Um, Kevin, do you know? Fourteen? Okay. All right. So each table, you are your own, you are a committee in your chapter. So you are all working together at your table. And you have been given $1,000 to spend some way. And I'm not telling you how. You guys are going to decide. I'm going to give you about 10 minutes to come up with a plan of how you plan to spend that money, okay? I'm not going to call on all of you, but I, I will call on um, different people to give us. So before you start, um, at the end, when we, when we reconvene after 10 minutes, I may ask some questions, and I, I may ask for volunteers and I only want one representative from each table. So I want to try and get some insight from each table. Okay? So um, you guys can also decide on who might be the spokesperson. Or you can, however you want to do it. Okay. So you're on 10 minutes. You have $1,000. Spend it wisely for the betterment of your chapter or community. However you want to do it. Are we all pretty much done? Or do you still need? Okay. All right. So... All right, so now, um, Kevin, are you back in the room? Yes, I am. Awesome. So um, Kevin has the microphone, and I'm going to ask a couple of questions, and I want a volunteer to answer. And we probably will only take one, maybe two responses to any given question. But again, I want just one answer per table during this segment, okay, so that everybody gets a chance. So my first question is, um, who would like to share what they decided to do with their thousand dollars? And uh, either shout out your name so Kevin knows where you're at. So there's okay, okay, and then Mika up in the front. So we got two people that want to share. <laughs> okay, um, I'm Sheila Young from Florida, and we decided that what we would do with the thousand dollars is we would invest in creating outreach efforts by um, renting places at health fairs and um, creating flyers so that we can educate the public as to the fact that we do exist and that um, 
there is life after blindness. Okay. And did any other group decide to do something similar to that? Uh, okay. All right. Oh, lots of you guys. Lots of outreach. All right. So, Mika, you, do you want to bypass your response now? Okay. Is there anybody else that did something different with their money? Debbie? All right. So, okay. Hi. Our, our group decided that one of the things it was going to do was actually invest half of the money <laughs> so that we would have money to do some other projects later okay. on. So okay. we have half of it that we're going to put into projects and half of it that we're going to invest so that we can have more projects. You didn't decide on what projects, though? Oh, for our projects that we did decide on, um, yeah, we're going to do uh, some membership development activity and then um, and some outreach activities specifically to younger people to bring them into our chapter. And one of the things that we um, observed as we were doing that is that as we began to think about the fact that we had the flexibility of spending some money, we also thought of a whole lot of things that we could do that weren't going to cost money that we just hadn't done yet. Okay. So I th- oh, we wow, thought I that like was it. useful to think about the fact that sometimes having that little bit of money, that little bit of hope, if you will, gives you the stimulus to think about, well, we can do that, but that's not going to cost anything, but we can still do it. Okay. Okay. We still have the money. What else are we going to do? And then when you finally do come to an item that does that, the other thing we wanted to do with the last piece of our money was to prioritize, actually do some long range planning and prioritize the needs of our, of our, of our affiliates so that we would know what we need to do with the current money or the, uh, but the other was just interesting to us because as we went along, we saw how much we could do without even spending the money just because we suddenly had the money and we're told to be creative. Okay. All right. And then there was one other table that um, said they did something different over here. Oh, no, there was actually more. Okay, then I'm not going to have you guys talk. Sorry. There's more than one. So I'm going to ask another question. So be thinking this is a different, different question. At your table, was there any um, monopolizing of a particular... Uh, group that you can think of like was there anybody that was really quiet that you feel didn't get to really interact with or and I don't want you to call names I just want to ask if you feel like there was any uneven um, interaction at your table was there any from any tables yes okay so I'm hearing yes um only and one I table there's, more. There's, there's so I mean I've been in lots of chapters and I can't imagine that at your table it's different than most chapters which means that there's usually how many times does the president ask for input and nobody responds <laughs> all right I rest my case so <clears throat> So, okay, if nobody is comfortable with speaking about that interaction, was there any table that you found that um, you were all one of these personality types? Like a lot of you were drivers or a lot of you were analysts or a lot of you were supporters. Any, Any of that? Did did you guys did did any of you? That this, it, if it, and if you did, how do you think that that did it help you or did it hurt you on coming up with a solution? That's what I. 
on how to spend your thousand yes. dollars. Any response? Yes, I think that we did. Um, it helped. Well, I think it kind of hurt actually. Sorry. Okay. I think it hurts us a little bit. I think that it hurt us because um, we had we had more supporters at our table. Um, than any other personality type. <laughs> and so, and so um, we all were trying to make our driver happy <laughs> with, with okay. the ideas because yeah. we had ideas. And so, and so at one point what we all did was we incorporated every single idea that we all came up with into one great big, great big thing instead okay. of maybe honing in on just one I thing. I love it. This is spoken from somebody who's done this personality personality uh stuff before but that's that is so true that's that tends to happen right if um uh if your supporters then you then you tend to go with and want to keep peace that's the supporter right so okay and um finally was there any of you that before this exercise really weren't sure where you fell in and but now as you did the exercise you could see your you found yourself and or were you able to identify other people based on their interaction and if anybody wants to share any thoughts on it that's great if not it's okay but did i'm not hearing really any lol or anything so did did anybody kind of discover themselves in this exercise did you already know what you were? Hold on, we'll get the mic to you. Hold on. We'll get the mic to you. Hold on, hold on. Mic's coming. Oh, okay. Mic's coming? Okay. Got it. Kevin's coming with a mic. Hi, this is Rosanna from New York. Um, I kind of understood myself, and it made Shh, sense as to where listen. I fit in in terms of being a supporter. But I'm kind of a little bit of a support. I am a supporter, but I'm also somewhat of an analyst because I have the extroverted side of me as well. But how, I guess my question though, and with, it did help, but it takes time to sort out, okay, to listen, you have to be a good listener Mm -hmm. so that you can listen for cues as to what personality type you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. But, um, as my role as president or vice president, how do I take that role as a supporter and work it into what I do? That's what I'm trying to figure out at this point. Okay, so let's move into communicating with one another because I think that that really is the key in our leadership roles. <clears throat> when we know that there's someone who is a driver and... Um, When I became president of WCB, uh, I had done this very similar training, and it really helped me because it helped me identify some of the key people that I was working with on my leadership team. And I definitely have uh, at least one very strong driver. And so then the key became how do I most effectively work with this person so that I don't feel intimidated by or anxious about or concerned about? I mean, those are the things that I was feeling, right? 
And so, and I wanted to make it good for both of us. So then we have to learn how do I communicate with the driver? And if you have a driver in your chapter or your affiliate, someone who is quick to answer, quick to act, and really, if you gave them the job and they took it, they're going to take care of it because that's what drivers do, right? Very task-oriented. But they also might impose themselves into things that you're not wanting them to take over. Do you agree? Right? Okay. So how do you, how do you help a driver in your, in your midst and w- to work for you? Give them jobs to do. That's what you do. So if you have a driver, you find them work. Make it up. I don't care. But you find them work because they need it. They need it. And if you're a driver, you know that's, it keeps you going. It's what keeps you, you know, breathing. It's like breathing to keep working. That's what drivers do. And they are going to be some of your strongest workers, but they um, sometimes can bulldoze over people. So sometimes you need to remind them that they need to work with their, their committee, their team. Um, and, and they don't intend to ever hurt your feelings. That's not their intent. They just really don't get that piece. So, um, you know, they're, because they're so focused on the task. So with a driver, um, I think that we need to set ground rules in our meetings It's really important, I think, and this is for all of um, these personality types so that everybody can become engaged in our activities. But we need to set some ground rules. So um, an agenda is always helpful in a meeting. It's also helpful even when you do conference call committee meetings so that you know at the the get-go, everyone knows what you plan to accomplish in your time together. Then... Ask for uh, people to uh, call for the floor in a face-to-face or on the phone. Ask for them to say their name, and then you will recognize them. And then the other thing is so that a driver or promoter, both those are the extroverted, uh, extrovert personality types, you don't want them to monopolize the conversation uh, or the discussion. So... I encourage you to set boundaries such as, you know, you want to hear from people only once until everybody's had an opportunity to contribute because um, both of those personality types tend to jump in and they will have some, they have feedback on everything pretty much. Uh, The supporters and analysts are your, are your strong listeners um, they, they, uh, analysts are thinking about all the details. They're thinking about the process that is going to occur. How are you going to sell tickets? Who's going to collect the money? What are the, how much are the tickets going to cost to print them out? Um, what's going to happen if you don't sell all the tickets? How much do you have to pay the place to, you know, to, that you're going? How are people going to get there? They're thinking of all those details. Very, very strong on the details. So if you have a proposal for an analyst, what kind of things do you want to make sure you do with the analyst? You want to 
come up with the details. You want to be prepared. You don't want to just come up and say, I got this great idea. I'm going to spend $1,000 and this is what we're going to do. You want to really think it out. And if you can give them information ahead of time, um, some specifics, they'd love it. Give them the spreadsheet. Um, They're going to love that. Uh, Supporters, you want to make sure that you can engage them in in their um and give them room to share their opinion because they're more likely listening and waiting and trying to decide which way to go in the discussion and which way is going to be least dangerous in confrontation they're they're thinking about that while you are having the discussion whatever the discussion is so you want to make sure that you give opportunity as president or as a leader, that you give opportunity to hear from all people, no matter what, whether, no matter what their temperament, behavior, personality type is. Um, and I think that some of it means that we have to step back, whatever our personality type is, we have to step back and remind ourselves to allow people to um, to speak and also to be more prepared and and giving those boundaries. If we don't give boundaries, you know it's chaotic. I mean, if you if you just started pouring the water and you didn't know when the cup, you know, the top of the cup was right? You're going to have a mess, right? Water's just going to keep on pouring. We have to have boundaries in everything. And if we set boundaries at the get-go, nobody's feelings get hurt because the those rules, guidelines, whatever we want to call them, they're for everyone. They're not just for the driver. They're not just for the, the supporter, promoter, analyst. They're for everyone. So, um, you know, be thinking about how you could set up your meetings, whether it's small, two or three of you, or whether it's a, in a chapter or a state board meeting or wherever it might be, to ensure that you are allowing everyone to have the ability to share in the discussion. And here's the other thing. As, as leaders, we need to have some insight. So when you leave that meeting and somebody didn't share... It's okay to pick up the phone and call them and say, I noticed you didn't, you know, you, you didn't um, contribute or maybe not use the word contribute, but I didn't really hear you share any ideas. Do you have any? Did you feel, what was the reason why? You know, maybe they didn't have any ideas. You know, that might be okay too. But you want to still give them an opportunity because maybe they, maybe they felt intimidated and you don't know. We just don't know. And we shouldn't guess. We should just, you know, our best line of defense is communication. And don't just rely on emails. Um, picking up the phone, it's, you know, it's a good, thank you, Graham Bell, right? So it's a good thing um, to have the phone and to talk to each other. So I want to quickly go through, um, this is part of the test I gave you earlier, the quiz. Um, with this quiz, they identify those four personality types as animals. So I thought it would be fun for me to read these to you. So, so the lion. Lions are leaders. So these are the driver, right? Lions are leaders. They are, 
usually the boss is at work, or at least they think they are. They are decisive, bottom-line folks who are observed, not who are observers, not watchers or listeners. They love to solve problems. They are usually individualists who love to seek new adventures and opportunities. Lions are very, excuse me, lions are very confident and self-reliant. In a group setting, if no one else instantly takes charge, the lion will. Unfortunately, if they don't learn how to tone down their aggressiveness, their natural dominating traits can cause problems with others. Most entrepreneurs are strong lions, or at least have a lot of lion in them. Um, Natural strengths, uh, decisive, goal-oriented, achievement-driven, gets results, independent, Risk-taker, takes charge, takes initiative, self-starter, persistent, efficient, enjoys challenges, variety and change, driven to complete projects quickly and effectively. Uh, Natural weaknesses or challenges, we'll call them, they can be impatient, blunt, Poor listeners, impulsive, demanding, may view projects more important than people, can be insensitive to the feelings of others, may run over others who are slower to act or speak, fears inactivity and relaxation, quickly bored by routine or mechanics, competitive, um, basic disposition is fast-paced, task-oriented. They're motivated by results, challenge, action, power, and credit for achievement. Uh, time management, lions focus on now instead of distant future. They get a lot more done in a lot less time than their peers hate wasting time, and like to get right to the point. Communication style, great at initiating communication, not good at listening, one-way communicators. Decision-making, impulsive, makes quick decisions with goal or end result in mind. Results-focused, needs very few facts to make a decision. In pressure or in or tense situations, the lion takes command and becomes autocratic. Greatest needs, the lion needs to see results, experience variety, and face new challenges. He needs to solve problems and wants direct answers. What the lion desires, freedom, authority, variety, difficult assignments, opportunity for advancement. And there you are. That is the lion. And we all have lions amongst us, I promise you. Otters or promoters. I'm an otter, by the way. I'm an otter. Otters are excitable, fun-seeking, cheerleader types who love to talk. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) They're great at motivating others and need to be in an environment where they can talk and have a 
a vote on major decisions. The otters' outgoing nature makes them great networkers. They usually know a lot of people who know a lot of people. They can be very loving and encouraging unless under pressure when they tend to use their verbal skills to attack. Oh, my goodness. They have a strong desire to be liked and enjoy being the center of attention. They are often very attentive to style, clothes, and flash. Otters are the life of any party, and most people really enjoy being around them. Natural strengths and natural weaknesses. I'll go through these really quick. Natural strengths, enthusiastic, optimistic, good communicator, emotional and passionate, motivational and inspirational, outgoing, personal, dramatic, fun-loving, basic, oh, sorry, uh, people-oriented, um, and their, their weaknesses or challenges, unrealistic, not not detail oriented that's not me by the way that part that's so that's where that secondary comes in right because we talked about that disorganized impulsive listens to feelings ab- above logic uh reactive can be too talkative excitable um let's see where am i and okay um okay so basic disposition fast-paced people-oriented motivated by recognition and approval of others time management otters focus on the future and have a tendency to rush to the next exciting thing communication style enthusiastic and stimulating often one way but can inspire and motivate others Decision-making, intuitive and fast. Makes lots of right calls and lots of wrong ones. (laughs) In pressure or tense situations, the otter attacks can be more concerned about their popularity than about achieving tangible results. Greatest needs, the otter needs social activities and recognition, activities that are fun and freedom Uh, Excuse me, yeah, fun and freedom from details. What the otter desires, prestige, friendly relationships, opportunity to help and motivate others, and opportunities to verbally share their ideas. Promoter, I mean, uh, supporter, excuse me. Um, You are the golden retrievers (laughs) of the group. One word describes these people, loyal. They're so loyal, in fact, that they can absorb the most emotional pain and punishment in a relationship and still stay committed. They are great listeners, incredibly empathetic, and warm encouragers. However, they tend to be such pleasers that they can have great difficulty being assertive in a situation or relationship when it's needed. Natural strengths? Patient, easygoing, team player, um, stable, empathetic, compassionate, sensitive to feelings of others, tremendously loyal, puts people above projects, dependable. Uh, Their weaknesses are challenges, 
indecisive, over-accommodating, may sacrifice results for the sake of harmony, slow to initiate, avoids confrontation even when needed, tends to hold grudges and remember hurts, uh, inflicted by others, fears change. Um, Let's see. Oh, and I missed these words on the on the natural um, the positives is reliable, supportive, and agreeable. Uh, that's still supporters. Basic disposition of the of the supporter or the golden retriever. Slow paced, people oriented, motivated by desire for good relationships, appreciation of others. Time management, golden retrievers focus on the present and devote lots of time to helping others and building relationships. Communication style, two-way communication, great listener and provides empathetic response. Decision making, makes decisions more slowly, wants input from others and often yields to the input. In pressure or tense situations, the golden retriever gets into the opinions, ideals, and wishes of others, often too tolerant. Greatest needs, the golden retriever needs security, gradual change, and time to adjust to it. An environment free of conflict. Desires, Quality relationships, security, consistent known environment, a relaxed and friendly environment, the freedom to work at own pace, um, and so you know one of the the things that that makes me reminded of is how much they benefit from those boundaries that we set. They they really need them so that they have an opportunity to contribute. Beavers. Beavers are analysts. Beavers have a strong need to do things right and by the book. In fact, they are the kind of people who actually read instructions and manuals. They are great. They are great at providing quality control in an office and will provide quality control in any situation or field that demands accuracy, such as accounting, engineering, etc., like treasurer, because rules, consistency, and high standards are, the import, are, are so important to beavers, they are often frustrated with others who do not share these same characteristics. Their strong need for maintaining high and often times unrealistic standards can short circuit their ability to express warmth in a relationship natural strengths um, accurate analytical detail oriented thoroughness industrious orderly methodical and exhaustive high standards intuitive controlled Uh, Challenges, uh, too hard on self, too critical of others. So you see, if they're critical of you, they're also being hard on themselves, so it's okay, right? Perfectionists, overly cautious, won't make decisions without all the facts. Too picky. Um, 
overly sensitive. And so basic disposition, slow-paced, task-oriented. Motivated by the desire to be right and maintain quality. Time management, beavers tend to work slowly to make sure they are accurate. Communication style, beavers are good listeners, communicate details, and are usually diplomatic. Decision making, avoids making decisions, needs lots of information before they will make a decision. In pressure or tense situations, the beavers, the beaver tries to avoid pressure or tense situations. They can ignore deadline. They, they can ignore deadlines. Really? No, they can't. Greatest needs. The beaver needs security, gradual change, and time to adjust to it. What the beaver desires, clearly defined tasks, stability, security, low risk, and tasks that require precision and planning. So now, even if one of those don't describe you, they describe people you work with, right? And the more we can think about what their needs are, the more we can meet those needs and the more that we can all work together and make sure that everyone in our organization, committee, chapter, state, whatever it might be, has the ability to contribute. So um, what I hope you'll take from this is that you'll start thinking about yourself and maybe some things that you might need to do to be able to reach out to others. Um, I will tell you that one of the exercises that we've done in the past is that we would have all we would assign a personality type to your table and have given you that um, a task such as the thousand dollars. And if you are all analytical, if you are all supportive, or if you are all uh, promoters, or if you are all drivers, it's very difficult to get anywhere. We need each other to keep us going, and sometimes we might drive each other nuts. You know, but we need each other. So it's finding ways to tone down ourselves and to hone in on others. Tone and hone, okay? That's your exercise. Tone and hone and reach out to um, the, the people that you're working with. So that's what I have. And there is some, um, you will be getting later on at the, towards the end of uh, this uh Leadership Institute, we have um, thumb drives with a lot of documentation, and there is some information on personality types on there. It's a little different than what I shared, but it's along the same lines, so I hope you'll enjoy that, and thank you so much. We're going to take about a 10-minute break, so, okay? 4.15, we'll start up again. Thank you. All right, let's, let's go ahead and reconvene. First of all, somebody lost a silver sponsor tag on their name tag and if you contributed and you don't have a silver sponsor badge i've got it so find me in the front of the room and we will return it to its rightful owner uh we are going to next move into the next phase of the program and with us is rebecca bridges i think we all know who she is uh and she is going to talk to us about transition so rebecca it's all yours there you go, right there. Thank right. you. Okay. Where's, oh. Hi, everyone. Um, 
I promise I'll try not to put you to sleep. I'll be quick. Um, thank you uh, for the opportunity to speak. Um, for those of you who may not know who I am, um, I've been in ACB for, gosh, 13. My first convention was 2003 as a scholarship winner, and I came, and I've never left. Uh, I love you guys so much. Um, and um, I've served on a lot of different... Um, I've had the privilege of serving on a lot of different ACB committees in my time um, in, th- in the organization. And uh, so what I wanted to talk with you guys about today is uh, transition. And so, as you know, there's always, there's always seems to be transition. You know, just when you figure out how to do your job, it's time to give it up, give it to the next person. <laughs> so, um, and that's one of the biggest challenges because in a lot of times when transitions occur... Um, <laughs> Preparation is really, really key because what happens if you don't prepare for, for a transition? What happens when a, when a leader leaves the organization? Like, what are some things that can happen? Just shout them out. Confusion, records, loss of institutional knowledge. What in the heck did we do last year? Yeah, okay, well, nobody's going to get fired here, but, yeah, that, that can happen. So, so... What we really want to talk about is the importance of transition and how, how do you prepare for those and make sure that that goes smoothly. So transitions are important because, again, they provide for the critical transition of, you know, transfer of knowledge or information, so institutional knowledge about, you know, the workings of the committee, et cetera. Um, they're also important to inform members and the leader um, about, you know, the the new position or the role that they're walking into. You know, what are what are the expectations? So if I'm a new chair of a committee, what what am I expected to do? So I need to, you know, so it's important to to prepare in that way. They also provide a sense of accomplishment and closure for those on the group who are leaving. And transitions also enable you know, intentional transitions and also enable the group to capitalize on the contributions and achievements of the experienced members or leaders, as well as to increase the, the knowledge and confidence of the new leader as well as any new members. And, of course, to minimize, minimize the loss of momentum. So if you guys were doing a whole bunch of stuff and then you came to convention and you elect new officers and everybody goes home, then what do you do, right? So... I just wanted to talk through a few key points um, when groups are transitioning with new, particularly with new leadership, but as well um, for, you know, incoming and outgoing members as well. So someone mentioned records. Records are critical. Note-taking. Every meeting should have notes taken. I cannot emphasize that enough. If you are chairing a meeting, Delegate that responsibility because you know, you've got your agenda to maintain and you've got to keep order and do whatever you need to do. Delegate that responsibility and do whatever is needed to make sure that notes are captured at the meeting. Um, and you need to keep notes of you know what happened at the meeting. Um, your notes should also include action items. So if you don't have action items and anything that you know, if you don't have outcomes from your meeting, you really didn't have a meeting. You just had a conversation, and it was like a social call, right? So it's important to have action items in your notes. You know, Rebecca's going to send the notes out next week. The group's going to comment on them and provide feedback, and we're going to revise them, whatever it is. Um, Have your action items and put names and dates. 
next to each one because that ensures that work that was supposed to happen actually does happen because so often you know we're all busy people if I don't write something down I'm probably not going to remember to do it <laughs> so and another thing about notes so when these notes are captured they should be sent out within a week of each meeting and they should be sent again um, you know prior to the meeting so that people can be reminded you know what did we do last month right to really prepare for the next meeting now it doesn't mean you have to do all of this via email one thing that um, I'm the chair of our state rehab council in Virginia and one of the things that we've started is a Dropbox okay so a lot there are lots of apps out there that can help you with that information so you're not bombarded with where is that email that Rebecca sent I can't find that thing and uh, I don't want to go back and look never mind I just won't worry about it so everybody will have responsibility to go if you use something like Dropbox everybody can get in there you know you get access to the folder you can view it any time you like um, it's also helpful um, you know when at the end of the year so we're going to talk about a few things we're going to talk about the end of each kind of committee year and then the start so at the end of the year have a final meeting to really take some time to do a few things one is let's kind of go over what what did we do this year what are our key accomplishments let's take a moment to celebrate and step back and say wow you know we really did a great job and then let's also talk about you know what worked really well as a committee this year or as a group um, and then what maybe didn't work so well you know are there projects or and also are there projects or activities that we didn't complete um, that we'd want to carry over into next year you know and even asking members you know what did you really enjoy about serving on this group this year and you know what what's what are some things that you might like to do you know in the future or that you would have liked to do that we didn't do and again same as I said you know capture those notes and share them so that's also important for when the committee the group turns over so in the for the incoming group have sort of a, a kickoff or you know a, a meeting where you're saying you know hey welcome to the group here are some notes from our, you know, th these are, you know, you can recap. These are the things that happened in the last year. Um, this is what we're still, you know, things that might still be in progress. Um, talk about the goals and the purpose of the committee. You know, sometimes you get asked to do something, and you're like, what does this group do exactly? Like, sure, I'm happy to serve, and then you, co you come to the meeting, and you're like, I really have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. So talk through, you know, this is, this is our goal. Um, you know, as the chair, my job is to do X and Y. You know, as the other people, you know, we're looking for you guys to do this, this. Um, and then also, you know, take some time to give people the opportunity, your members, you know, all of them, whether they're new or not, to, you know, introduce themselves and talk a little bit about, you know, why they joined the group, what they enjoy most about it, what they're looking forward to. You know, it also provides some time, you know, for you guys to, for people to get to know each other. It's kind of form a sense of community. When you're, when you have a sense of community, you feel a little more obligated to help and actually get things done. So that's something else that, that's helpful. So the final thing I want to touch on is it's really ideal um, when you're doing transitions to have your outgoing chair or president uh, remain in the group for at least a year. So this provides for some continuity. Um, it also provides opportunities. You know, it makes it a little bit easier, too, for the incoming chair or leader to, you know, more easily, 
you know, reach out and, you know, talk and really understand what's going on in the context and some of the things, you know, some of the context behind everything, all the activities that are happening. Uh, when I took over as SRC chair, um, my uh, predecessor just, like, straight up resigned and left. Um, so that made things a little bit challenging, um, you know, as we're making the transition um, into my role as chair. So when possible, it's really helpful if that person stays on for at least a year. I know it's not always possible, but... Um, and then so if, as you're the outgoing chair, if you are still in the group, or even if you're not in the group and you, you know, you want to, you know, reach out to the new chair, this is a great opportunity for you to talk to them about... Hey, you know, this is what I this is what I found most rewarding about working in this group. These are some of the challenges that you might face. This is, you know, these are the things that I wish I would have known when I started in this role. Um, this, these are some projects or activities that maybe we didn't get to this year, but we could have, you know, we could do next year. Or these are some things to think about. And you know, hey, Rebecca, she's a real feisty uh, member, so you might want to look out for her as. Uh, as you're taking over the role. So, you know, things like that, just to share, share your institutional knowledge um, with the new leader. Don't be greedy and don't keep it to yourself because it doesn't help anyone. And as the incoming chair, know who your resources are. So take advantage. It's not up to the chair, the, your ex officio chairman necessarily to be, I'm almost done, uh, to be, you know, reaching out to you and saying, like, hey, I, here, how can I help you be a chair? Like, take advantage of them as a resource. They are a wealth of information and knowledge. So reach out to them and talk to them. You know, ask them, you know, what, you know, what, what worked well and what did you like most? And, and also, you know, members who've been on your group. So it's not just the chair. So as, as the new chair, you know, take time to get to know your members individually. When I joined the SRC and as the chair... You know, I called all my members and got to know them. Um, and, I, you know, especially there's a lot of institutional knowledge, not just as the chair, but as, you know, you have sometimes you have members who've been in the group for quite some time. So take advantage of your resources as you're making that transition um, into the chairman role. Um, before I, uh, that's, that are, those are all my key points. Does anyone have any questions? Are you awake? All right. Uh-huh. We'll get the mic. Oh, Judy, okay. I think Kevin's still here, I think. Oh, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> He's sprinting. Okay, reach over here. Um, do you advise committees having um, a statement of purpose for the for the committee? Oh, absolutely. Anything um, you've got, any documentation that, that you have as a committee, so what is our purpose, you know, what's the mission of our group, um, Anything like that. And obviously, if you're like an organization, you obviously need, you know, bylaws and all that as well. And, and uh, I have a, a fault. I'm sorry, a totally different question about d records. <laughs> Should all committee records be sent, do you think, to the, to the state? In other words, to the state office or to the state um, entity? I'm, I'm thinking, say, for auditing purposes and stuff. Or is that... In other words, if I've kept minutes for my uh, committee for two years, where do they go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so I think that I, so I guess it depends on the context. Are you talking about ACB committees? Or are you talking about any committee? I'm basically talking. About, I mean, uh, we're all of affiliates. I'm, I'm a state president, so I'm curious about. Well, I think as a state president, I think that you know, 
you should want to see kind of what what is going on with your committees. So again, that's where shared folders like you know Dropbox and things like that are helpful because they provide a place to store that information. Um, so that you don't have to decide, oh, you know, Rebecca's had it for three years and she moved away and I have no idea where all of our notes went. <laughs> so I think having shared, you know, stuff stored in the cloud is always helpful. Anything else before I leave you? Okay, hold on. One more. Who's got a question? Mark. Right, coming up. Regarding, like, forming committees or the life of a committee, mm -hmm. do you uh, suggest appointing committee members, taking volunteers, and uh, do you have sometimes rules for the life of a committee? Well, so... <laughs> well, so I, th I think that... So how it works often, I mean, at the... What I suggest is that I do think that you need to have people do you do want people to volunteer, um, but sometimes you might have to volunteer someone. Um, so in that case, you know if I if I want people to serve on my committee, what I'm probably going to do is I'm going to call them and say, you know, Rebecca, I really um, I would really like for you to help out. I think you have great experience in this area, and this is kind of my vision for the committee. And you know, was this something you'd want to do? So I think it's you know forging relationships. And trying to <laughs> put your bone on mute, boy. I think it's it's really yes. You do want people to volunteer, and then as a you know you can you know vote to whoever be your chair. I mean it really depends on the context of how your organization works. You know in ACB, you know if Kim wants me to chair something, she'll call me and ask. You know, or if she wants me to serve on a committee, she might call me and ask, or the chair might call me and ask. And so I think yes, it is best to. To volunteer, sometimes you need to volunteer, but yes, yeah. I uh, I missed I missed a meeting um, of my state rehab council, and I became vice chair. So uh, go. That's the other thing. Go to your meetings unless you want to be tasked with work. Okay. So with that, I I know that there are others behind me uh, waiting to speak. But thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to you. That, that, that did not sound good from back there. I, one of the things that I said when I was president of ACB in Nebraska, when I, I, I had a tactic that I tried to use to get people to the meeting on time, and that was show up on time or be elected. Yes. And you'd be surprised everybody was 10 minutes early but me. So there you go. Next we're going to hear from Tiffany Jolliffe, who is going to talk about transitions that may have not gone well, as well as could have been. So Tiffany, it's all yours. Thank you. Let me just find where the mic is. I don't, oh, I see. Okay. Hi, y'all. Okay. So I want you to step back in time with me to summer of 2015. Yes. <laughs> it was a beautiful year. It was, it was a hot year. It was Dallas. We were all sweating profusely. I was a scholarship winner, and I was excitedly attending my first ever scholarship luncheon as a scholarship winner. I entered the room. We had a very good lunch. Lunch ended, and now it's time for the business meeting. In the business meeting, we're going to do elections. And so... The first thing that happens is there's a speaker phone put on the table with a microphone up next to it. The president gets on the phone and says, oh, hi, guys, I'm resigning. 
in the middle of my term. Um, have fun. Bye. So now he's gone. Okay. So now the president's there. So president's open for a year. Everyone's kind of going, okay, so now it's up to the first vice president. First vice president steps up and says, uh, I, I don't know how to run these meetings. Uh, so I, I guess we're doing elections. So, and, and, and it's embarrassing because, okay, here we are, a brand new class of scholarship winners. Now, granted, I have been involved with ACV for about six years now. I have been involved with students for about four of those six. So I kind of had an idea, but I had never really been on the leadership side of students. So we didn't know exactly what to do. Thank God for Katie Frederick, who is a board member. She came in and helped run the elections. Now, one person decided they were going to try and run for president, and they came up and said, well, I got a lot of ideas, and uh, it's going to be great, so vote for me. Um, the next one said... And, and he was he was really, you know, he was on it. He said, okay, I've got three ideas. I have three things I want to do to make things work. But what I was seeing was that there was no structure. So he had these big ideas, but the bottom, the bottom had dropped out from this organization. If you remember, if you were at the convention last year, ACB students was not even seated at the convention. It was a very bad time. So me, being a masochist, I don't know what I was thinking. But, you know, anyway, I decided that I was getting my master's in organization development, knowledge management, meaning that I was going to look at organizations, try to help them build relationships, consult, do organization development interventions, and fix everything. And so I said, hey, I'll run for president. I'll nominate myself because I am just that kind of guy. And I went up and I said, we need to do, we need to focus on relationships. We don't have relationships right now. Because what we had done is we had just sullied our reputation with ACB leadership. That was not a good place for ACB students to be. And fortunately, I was very lucky that the people in the room decided to elect me as president. So I started that year with a very tumultuous convention in Dallas. It was just, it was very rough all the way around. We made it through. We ended up down a board member. It was just rough, but we came back. And what we decided to do was, again, reinstitute those relationships. And the first thing we did was work with Minneapolis. We worked with Lane. We worked with Nancy. We made sure our financials were in order. Um, We worked to get advisors to our board because we knew that things had fallen so low we weren't even sure where we were anymore the last president had decided that no one would like his meetings if they took minutes so why do that because he wanted to be liked and that's one thing about being a president that I is hard sometimes you're not going to be liked because you need to lead and in order to lead people might not like the decisions you make now um what I focused on was just trying to to get the structure back so what we did we asked four people 
to come to our board meetings who had a lot of experience within ACB and had business acumen. So we had Rebecca Bridges, Ray Campbell, Katie Frederick, and Tom Tobin come to our board meetings and make sure that everything we were doing was on the up and up. We took minutes. We passed motions. We did everything in Robert's rules of order that they could have ever wanted. We, we did set up a Dropbox because, again, we needed to have, as Rebecca mentioned, that institutional knowledge. None of it was there. We applied for a 501c3 designation, something that we had never had before, although there were misunderstandings about that, too. But with Lane and Nancy's help, we were able to establish one for the first time in ACBS's history because of those relationships that we built. Um, we were able to, uh, I had Minha as my second vice president. She is an amazing convention chair, and she reached out to different affiliates and planned a great program, mostly because we said, we want to learn from you. We want to work with you. And people open up to things like that. So that's something that's very important is, as Rebecca says, know your resources, but also not only just know them, but reach out to them. Ask them for help. We ask for help with the advisors. We ask for help with the, with the different affiliates. Don't think that you need to do things alone as a new leader. Because God, we would have never gotten anywhere if I had done this by myself. I wouldn't have known the first thing to do. But I got a lot of help. So I stand here today as the outgoing president of ACV students because I only took on a one-year term as I, I finished my masters and it was just kind of an interim thing but I stand here today as the president of an affiliate who has a great convention program a writing a manual for new incoming officers so that they'll be able to understand what they need to do and when so that we can maintain our web page that we just launched again our email lists our Facebook page and group our Twitter everything we have a 501c3 so we can finally get donations. Um, we are seated at convention and can vote. It's, these are all small things that could have been taken care of but weren't. And so it tends to snowball if you don't watch. So party foul. This is why we can't have nice things. So <laughs> Right. I know I can't have nice things. So. But I just want to leave you with the fact that, yes, you might get thrown into a situation like mine that is just too crazy to even think would be real, but it is. But know that, especially in terms of ACB, you have so many people who are ready and willing to help, who are ready and willing to step in, give you advice if you'll listen to it, and who really want whatever position you're leading to succeed. Because when we succeed blindness succeeds. So that's just something to keep in mind. But um, I will open it up for questions because I know I've got a lot of people that are smarter than me behind me here. Yeah, somebody has a question. Kevin? Throw your hands in the air. (laughs) 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 
My question basically is this. Um, when you take a position as president in a new group that, you know, is a brand new group that is just starting, mm -hmm. um, how or what is the best way to find the resources that you need to get the proper help that you need so you can get things off the ground? You know, one... One piece of advice that I would have is I would go to a group that maybe may have been established for a while. Because a lot of times when you're starting a group, it's not necessarily the newest group. Like it's not the most unique thing. Um, so there are probably other groups that have done what you are trying to do before. So you never really want to invent, reinvent the wheel if you don't have to. So what you do is just kind of look around and see if there are other groups who have accomplished some things that you are trying to accomplish and reach out to the resources that may, they may have tried to use. And I know that seems a little like plagiarism. I, I promise you it's not. But you just want to – you do two things there. You are not only gaining knowledge for yourself, but you're also establishing a network. And when you do that, the bigger the network you have, the more success you have because you have a lot more resources. They can start spiraling off and finding you more. So I would say just really reach out to institutions that are similar to the one that you're starting would be my first advice. Other ACB organizations. Yeah, and other ACB organizations. and things. Like your state affiliates mm -hmm. other states. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just answered that more broadly oh, just because yeah. it's a new – but, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Within ACB, like, again, everyone's willing to help. So just – Send out a send out a query. You'll find somebody, or someone will know someone. <clears throat> Any other questions? Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. If you have any questions, my name's Tiffany Jolliffe, and please feel free to find me at the convention. Thanks. All right. I can feel the energy up here already. Good job, Tiffany, getting that affiliate back together. You yes. Know, really good job. Right, that's exactly right. There you go. All right. We uh, we talked about uh, transitions that went well, transitions that may have not as gone as well as they planned. And now we're going to kind of get into some of the officer positions, if you will, the office of secretary, record keeping, and so on and so forth. And to do that is none other than our national secretary, Ray Campbell, right here. <laughs> okay. I have to lift this up. I always have to do that. Um, thank you. Um, thank you, everyone. And um, I'll be fairly brief, but um, I've been involved in a couple of transitions that went really well. And I think we can all learn from some of that about ways to, to have good uh, succession, succession planning. Like it or not, you're not going to be in Office A or Office B forever. <laughs> well, like it or not. So you need to be thinking about who the person that's going to come behind you and what you need to kind of leave for them to help them uh, transition effectively into that office. So when I took over as ACB secretary, and my predecessor, the one and only Marlena Lieberg, uh, was extremely good in a couple of different ways. Um, right away, uh, she reached out to me. Um, I actually went up and sat on stage with her and watched her do some of her work. Um, we uh, we shared information uh, very freely back and forth. 
um, you know, made sure she made sure I had all the, uh, the 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 files I needed, the the pieces I needed to uh, to do my job, and it was very very helpful because that way uh, I had I, I had the whole board roster, I had all of the uh, had had minutes. Of course, I'd been on the board, so I had copies of the minutes, but. Um, I had uh, different things that she gave me advice on. Okay, this is what you put into the minutes uh, when they're draft minutes. This is what you do uh, to show, you know, once they're approved and so on and so forth. So uh, that was a good transition. What I learned from that was that, you know, you you need to uh, – it's not about liking or disliking whoever the person is that's going to take over after you. Uh, it's about helping. It's about the organization. It's not about you. It's not about the other person. It's about the organization. And we need to always think of that. I am very confident that had the person that ran against me for secretary won, I am very confident that Marlena would have done exactly the same thing for that person as she did for me. And and that's the way it should be because, uh, you know, as it says, it's about the organization. So, um and transitioning an office like secretary or the one I'm going to talk about next is difficult because there's so many records you have. There's so much organization that you have to have. So uh, that was a good transition. So I encourage you as you move up in your leadership from your chapters to your state affiliates, uh, uh, hopefully uh, uh, spe- and special interest affiliates and on into ACB, uh, hopefully, that um, you would always – not only be thinking of what you need to do to retain the office and to do the best job you possibly can, but what you need to do to make sure that whoever comes behind you has a smooth transition. Uh, it's always said that, uh, you know, you always hear about the company where, and this is not good, <laughs> where you, well, so-and-so does that. Uh, you can't have that as a leader. You need to document things. You can't have stuff in people's heads. You, you, you've got to document things. You've got to make sure that you have uh, those, those tools uh, and those things available. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, then I, I was in a situation where I transitioned uh, the office of treasurer of a state affiliate. Uh, now, treasurer is really difficult. <laughs> now, I was, blessed in my, I was blessed in my situation. Not everybody may be as fortunate as I was, but I was transitioning to somebody who had not only had an accounting background, but also who had an um, a, uh, experience working in both the state and federal uh, levels and dealing with tax, um, taxes and you know, revenue and those kinds of things, IRS and Illinois Department of Revenue. And so... That made it a little bit easier, but even then, there were things that we did not foresee. I'll give you an example. Uh, we went into the bank to sign over the accounts, and banks today are really finicky about that. When you are signing over accounts from one treasurer to another, it is you have to really, really have it documented. And the bank said, well, we need something from another officer to vouch for that this is really this transition really has taken place well thank goodness my wife had become the secretary and worked just across the street from the bank branch that we were at so uh, we were able to go over and get the what we needed what if that had been somebody say i live in 
Glen Ellen? What if that secretary had been somebody from Bloomington, for example? That's and for those of you who don't know Illinois geography, that's like uh, about a couple hundred, about a hundred, hundred fifty miles apart. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany knows she's from Bloomington, but anyway. So, what, what would you have done in a case like that? So, try to probably i think the advice i would give especially when you're dealing with something like that where you have to bring another party into it like a bank maybe get on the phone or as you're transitioning out of office get on the phone and say okay um what what am i'm bringing in i'm set i'm, I'm going to bring me, myself and the person who's taken over this office are going to come in and do these things. What all do we need? And make sure that you've got all of that documentation uh, together. And treasure is the one where it's probably really going to matter the most because uh, you're dealing with, uh, with, with outside vendors and money and things. Um, the other thing that you want to do uh, in the office of treasurer and this not only affects transitions, but just very good businesses, make sure that more than one person has access to those accounts. In fact, uh, you can have that, and you should probably have that in your constitution and bylaws that that happens. Because what if the treasurer gets hit by a bus? What are you going to do? <laughs> uh, and you got to get access to your money. And I know there have been cases around uh, throughout ACB of that kind of thing. Or what if, what if something happens like... Um, you know, similar to what uh, Tiffany was dealing with, that the treasurer, somebody decides, hey, I'm, I'm gone, goodbye, have a nice life, y'all, and doesn't leave you with anything. Y- yeah, that too, we steal your money, Rebecca said. So you really, really need to, you really need to um, be thinking about this whole issue of transitions. And the, I think one of the most important things I can say is don't let attitude or feelings about people get in the way it's not about being like ladies and gentlemen it's about doing good for the organization so resolve in your head that when you decide not to run again it's like okay i don't care who takes over um i'm going to make sure that whoever it is has what they need and that uh, i'm going to do the best they can and you know reach out to them and offer to help them if the new person coming in doesn't want to take your help you can't you've done your part um and you know there's a whole discussion that can be had and i think we will have about uh when when to reach out and when to step back but um so definitely i think the most important words i would leave you with it's not about you it's about the organization and it's not about the person taking over it's about the organization and i'll leave open up for some questions Let's get to a microphone. That's part of the ACB fitness program. Exactly. Yeah. A gentleman to my right. And so, do you advise that uh, most of the time that an affiliate or a chapter is going through transition to have a a third party document um that that that's one way to handle it sure um and i think you know making sure that especially in these offices like uh you know like secretary and treasurer um it's really important to take any said you can have a third party document things you can make sure that you've got more than one person on accounts 
Um, one other thing, in this case, the secretaries, because that's what I'm most familiar with, make sure that um, the minutes are kept you know, somewhere else. If, you're, if your affiliate has an office or a place where they keep their records, make sure that there are copies of the minutes there so that if the old secretary gets mad and runs off with everything, you've got records. Um, and this can be, you know, this can be really serious stuff if you don't do it because I live in a condo association. We change property managers. The old property manager got mad, and we didn't have the kind of oversight that you're talking about. The old property manager ran off with stuff, and we could not get stuff. We had to reconstruct all kinds of records because of that. So this applies outside of ACB as well. So, you know, have that third-party documentation. Have that plan. Have um, some clear uh, guidance of authority when you're transitioning. um, You know, say you have an office manager and you're going to a new person. Make sure that somebody is there to... So that not that not that everybody is dishonest, but to make sure that they don't that they don't take things that they're not supposed to be taking. And I could tell a story about that, but I think my time is running short. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, any other questions? Uh, comment? Yes. Reach out, We're reach out, and grab yeah. the yeah, mic. That's right. Two two very quick comments. First one is that I highly recommend from having come into a very um, dysfunctional position um, when I took over our, our treasury position in our state affiliate. I absolutely recommend having, particularly for that position, and probably for some of the other key positions, president and secretary, but I'm working on mine, uh, there needs to be kind of a desk manual. There needs to be a real written yes. procedure, not just passing it down. Um, because things, you know, there are some things that can stay the same, but like your your uh, caveat about getting the uh, the signatures and the accounts transferred over, the big instruction on there is ask, because it changes regularly. So yep. what was the case for the last treasurer might not be the case now, but you might not realize that you need to ask. So I think those are, are having a desk manual. The The second thing I would just say is, Frankly, a lot of the grief in our situation could have been avoided had the board dealt with the fact that the situation was dysfunctional. So Mm -hmm. sometimes when we have maybe, I don't know whether it's that we had too many supporters or we had, I'm not sure what the problem was because people felt bad and people felt like things were out of hand and that they couldn't do something. They needed to have done something yeah. and, and as a board. And so if you have a situation in your chapter, affiliate, committee, whatever, where the person who is supposed to be doing the work is not able to do the work. So I didn't say necessarily that they didn't want to or that they you know, w- didn't have good intent, but they, for a variety of reasons, skills, health, you know, all the things that happen in our worlds, um, aren't able to, to do the work in a way that will work for us in the future. And if you know it, do something. Yeah. And, and I know that it doesn't seem like it would be easy sometimes. It's like, well, what will we do? Well, I think the, the first point of that is to decide that you will do something. And then the answers to that can, can come about. And, and sometimes that's really painful and hard and, and may feel hurtful. But you have a lot at stake 
um, you know, we we had tax audits. Um, we, I'm not we'll get audits. to the we end of your tax, point here. Yeah, I'm sorry. We had we had tax situations that were going to be getting us in trouble soon, etc. Mm-hmm. We could have lost our 501c3. So yes. that's my point. And you do not ever want to lose your 501c3. I've been there before. <laughs> Anyways, um, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but we do have other uh, folks that are going to speak. Um, any other uh, questions or comments real quick? Okay. Well, I'm going to turn it back over to Jim. Thank you very much. All right. We are going to next hear from, I think we're still on. We are next going to hear from uh, Burl Colley, who, by the way, is the chair of this committee. Good job, Pearl, Burl, putting this together. Um, we're going to hear from Burl on some other additional comments about Treasury. So, Burl, it's all yours. Raised tall, I'm a stubby, so we'll have to adjust this. (laughs) (laughs) This is, uh, don't ever go to the bank to get new signatures on your account without a copy of the minutes of the meeting in which your elections were held. Most banks will just tell you, take a walk. Um, you need that. Sometimes you also will need the president and or the secretary to go with you. They want to see two presiding people. So in that transition of the treasurer, make sure that you go adequately uh, prepared. Probably it's best to call your bank before you go there. Um, and that way you'll know what to bring instead of just getting there and then do like <coughs> just happened with an organization I belong to where the president and the secretary and I went in there to get things changed over. And the bank says, uh, we don't have any documentation that this is supposed to occur, so come back when you have it. And so, that, you know, that took time for three people. Another thing is don't allow, and how many times have we seen this? Debbie was just referring to it. Don't allow the office of treasurer become a turfdom type of thing in which the treasurer gets into office either immediately or sometime during their, their term of service and all of a sudden they decided that they're going to fill up the moat and pull across the bridge. Uh, and nothing gets in that castle of theirs except what they want to allow. So... Um, don't let that happen. The, there should be, I think it was Tiffany or Rebecca, one of you mentioned collaboration. Okay, we'll, we'll assume that. And you should always, always be in connection with your president or ever who that person designates to be uh, your liaison. It's not just you being the treasurer and you being keeper of the numbers and you'll dispense whatever information you decide is proper for them to know. You maintain the heart of the organization with this money. And so make sure the president is always knowledgeable about what's going on. The members of the club should get a report every meeting where you're standing. And so let's say you got hit by that bus that they were talking about. 
the president then would know what to expect. They could go into the Gitch books and turn them over to the next person and be able to explain some things, which oftentimes does not happen. So always, always keep your, your board, your president, your membership informed of what the Treasury is doing. Some organizations don't even don't even tell their membership or the president what bank they're using. That's their turf. Um, so keep those things in mind. Also, if you're the treasurer and you're getting ready to turn over the treasury to the next person that's elected, find someone or ask the president to find someone that's removed from you to just look over the books. It doesn't have to be a full-blown audit, but it, somebody should look them over and make sure that you reconcile with your bank. And <laughs> that doesn't always happen either. And all of a sudden you find out that, oh, no, that's not the amount of money we have in savings or what have you. So make sure people know what's going on all the time. Um, so, Jim, I'm going to turn it back to you to introduce our next guest. Oh, yeah. Ray, uh, Ray's, got a com Ray's got a comment? Oh, you need the mic? All right. Okay. This actually is this actually is a comment <coughs> a comment of encouragement, and that is, I think there are still people who believe that in order to be a treasurer, you need to have either full fully be fully sighted or have some vision. Absolutely not. There is so much you can do online these days, from doing your bank stuff to handling. Your, uh, you know, keeping track tabs if you have investments as an organization. There's so much you can do on it. Yes, you do need some sighted assistance, um, but you know it's very it's very minimal. When I was treasurer for ICB, um, it was there were only a few times that I needed to call in somebody to help me uh, go through some some things that I couldn't scan very well or whatever. But there's so much you can do you now with online and all that. I really would encourage people who are totally blind to have the ambition and the number of skills and all of that to think about being treasurer. It's, it's, it's doable. Okay. <coughs> all right, it is doable. Okay, if I was the mic, where would I be? Right here. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I always tell them. If I was the mic, where would I be? Anyway, we are going to move now to the office of president. Here some thoughts about that, and to, turn to talk about that is the California Council President, Jeff Tom. Jeff? Hey, Jeff. Except I am not the president. As of, that's right. That's right. My president is out there in the audience. Yeah. So... This is my this is my second transition from um, president to immediate past president, and um, I've learned lessons that I know will help me this time. Um, you know, you don't like to have to learn lessons, but it's good that you learn them rather than not. 
Um, and I think that, that the comment that Ray made is it's you know, all about the organization is really the key in transitioning. Um, both, um, fr from both sides, you have to check your ego at the door. It is about the organization. W um, one of the most important things for, well, let me give you two things that are important for an immediate past president to do, which sound contradictory, but they're not. The first thing you must realize is that you're no longer the leader, and that you've got to get that in your head, and you have to give the new leader his or her chance to do exactly that. But the second thing is you don't want to do that in such a way that you totally pull back and don't ask the president for all the help that that person may need. Because if you do that and, and the president may react the same way and not wanting to talk to you, then you haven't shared all that information without which the, the incoming president is going to have nothing but problems. You have to... You have to give the president every bit of information that he or she may need or want. So you must be willing to dialogue as much as possible, whether that deals with, um, you know, the people you appointed to committees, whether that deals with, you know, if you have a staff member that, that works with you, with your entity, and, you know, on that person, the whether that whether that deals with the goals that you had, the ones that were completed, the ones that were not, that doesn't mean the incoming president will agree with those things, and that's not the point. The point is he, uh, he or she needs to have every bit of information you can convey in order to do the best possible job. And there, therefore, we need to go it from the other direction. The new president, yes, you're the leader, but if you think you're going to go in there and just you know, set aside what that old president has done and ignore them as some kind of a has-been, then you're, really do, you're doing a total disservice to your organization, um, primarily because you're not availing yourself of all the potential knowledge that you can get so that you can avoid the pitfalls, potentially, that, that your predecessor has had, so that you can learn the information you need with respect to committee appointments, so that you can find out more about the membership that he or she may know, maybe that you haven't. You know, if you have affiliates, you may want to, you know, understand what those affiliate problems might be. Um, you know, you, you, you know what, what committee members have been especially uh, helpful or, or ineffective. There's so much information you can garner as president if you are willing to take advantage of your predecessor and treat that person like gold. Um, give him, you know, it is true as you, uh, 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 it's possible as you leave the presidency, you're going to feel a little bit about, a little bit of, oh man, I'm just not important anymore. If that new president treats you with the respect that you really deserve, you're going to work much harder to help him or her. And my, my only, my last comment, because I know we don't have a lot of time, my last comment is for the um, outgoing president, be very careful when you oppose the new president's initiatives. Try and do it behind the scenes. Yes, there'll be times when you have to speak out in a board meeting and disagree with something, but you really want to give that new president the guidance and wisdom that you can convey without looking like you're some kind of loyal opposition and uh, could, because you want to give the new president the chance to succeed.
So I think those are my basic comments. There's so much more we could say, but time is short. So I don't know if we have time for a couple questions, Jim, or not. But if there are, I'm sure, certainly happy to take them. Yeah, Mika. It's coming, Mika. Hold on. So my question actually is um, from the stance of vice president. Mm -hmm. So as president, what can we as vice presidents do in order to um, in order to help um, in order to help you and, and to support um, the president? I think one of the key things that um, of well, first the president. One of the key things they can do is to make the vice presidents um, in, is to inform them completely of what they would like to see accomplished over the course of their term. And then, as a vice president, you really need to say, "Look, how can I help you?" And, and a vice president has a somewhat similar obligation, I think, to an immediate past president to give support to the president, if at all possible. And I mean, there may be times when you can't, quite obviously, but a vice president needs to say, look, how can I help you? What specific tasks can I take on? Just like the president should say, you know, I know that your strengths fall into certain areas. Would you like to do X, Y, or Z? It's important for a president to use his or her VP's um, in whatever areas their strengths lie. And it's important for the vice presidents to ask to be used to help that president out. Anyone else? Okay. Well, as as vice president, as 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 our affiliate, and uh, do you suggest something uh, structured? I somebody mentioned a manual, uh, keeping a manual about uh, exactly. It, so, well, and and providing it to to the members and board members. Yeah, those are becoming more and more of a common practice in organizations whether they be companies or whether they be nonprofits, um, they're not actually actually uh, like bylaws or constitutional requirements. They're sort of um, manuals of practice um, and informal procedures that you usually follow. And, and they can equally be important if you have a staff member, but even if you don't, um, you know, they, and they should be a guide so that when your officers transition in, um, to new areas, they will know how what is expected of them and how they can be of best assistance in their role. So it is a good idea. Um, if they don't have to be lengthy, they might just set out a, a, a set of principles, maybe just a, a couple pages. You know, so it, if, if you, you know, it might be a good idea to appoint a committee, see if you think it fits within your affiliate to. Um, come up with some type of manual because, as I say, it's certainly becoming more and more common to, for entities to do this. And Thanks. it may avoid, it may avoid um, conflicts and disputes down the line if you have such a manual. And, Tom, Thank you. also what's nice is if you have a manual, you always have a guide to go back and look at. If somebody asks, 
that's well, right. Is this how it's done? You can go back to that manual and say, look, this is how we set it out to be. This is how it's done. It's like a how-to. That's the whole idea yeah. of it, is that you have that guide so that if a conflict arises, you can look at that and say, okay, this is the way we should be doing it. Thank you so much. Yes, very good point. All right, well, thank you very much. I hope that's been helpful, and good luck to all you leaders. Jeff, this is Marion Howell. Delaware is having quite a difficult time because our president died three years ago. We've been unable to contact the family to get any information of any of the uh, meetings and things that she has kept in her home, and we're we're just fla- we're floundering as to how to go about uh, getting us back on track again. Any suggestions from anyone? Well, you've got people in neighboring states that have um, some outstanding skills in terms of writing skills, in terms of um, oral communication skills, uh, and in terms of leadership skills. So you might try and see if you can take advantage of folks in you know, Pennsylvania or Maryland or some of these states that might be able to um, work with you because, you know, it, it's tough to sort of start on your own without, you know, having gone through it before. But other, but there are people who might be able to give you a hand. Well, thank you. Uh, quick question for Jeff. Thanks. Just in terms of networking, and she, when Marion was asking that question, is what is the best way to network with other people from ACB within, you know, within our country so that if, say, you want to get in touch with, you know, find out, is there somebody in another state or in another group that can assist with a particular problem? Is there, like, a... Um, other than Facebook, is there like a network kind of thing or like a LinkedIn kind of thing where you can contact ACB, other ACB members who are, you know, who may have these skills? Yeah, if you're, if you're not one of the leaders so that you're not on the ACB leadership list, then the best thing is to call um, Eric in the national office or to call our president, Kim, here, and one of them will be able to... Um, link you to whomever uh, they feel might best serve your needs, and that's what I would do. Awesome. Thanks. Or, well, yeah, that deals more with the president. So. Yeah. That, if, if, you, if you contact the, contact the national office or, or our national president, Kim Charlson, you're networking, networking with the whole country. So... <laughs> Okay, uh, I want to I want to thank. We've got a couple more folks to come up here yet, but I want to take this opportunity to thank uh, the Leadership Institute Committee. Uh, that's Ray Campbell and Doug Powell and Jim Jurak 
and mm -hmm. Artis Basin and Cindy Van Winkle. And did I forget anybody? Oh, Alan. Yeah, Alan. Carla was there for a while. Yeah. So uh, these, <laughs> these folks, some of these folks have been working on leadership institutes for six years. So that was that was Ray Campbell, and we keep on him on here just because he needs to be on here. He's, a man of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's from Chicago, so he's got friends. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? What we want to do, and we, there, there's all kinds of things to go around, uh, especially to all of you. Uh, this is the largest leadership institute that we've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's, it's number three, and uh, we really appreciate all of the attendants we have here and the folks, uh, Rebecca and Tiffany and, and the committee members that have presented. Uh, but we're getting to the point now where we've got a lady back here, and she's got a 20-battery cattle prod. And so she says, keep it going. <laughs> so <laughs> 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 Tiffany's on the other side of the room, and Kim's kind of right behind me. <laughs> I don't know. With that big cattle prod, my reach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to introduce another committee member now, Doug Powell. Doug has uh, some things that he wants to mention, and then he's going to introduce our national president. So, Doug. Okay. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. Um, a couple things I wanted to mention. One is that uh, as part of your uh, registration fee, you will be receiving a thumb drive that has a ton of resources that we've gathered over time uh, to help you uh, in your leadership uh, uh, journey. And uh, you guys were talking about a manual. Well, part of what's on the thumb drive are, um, <coughs> excuse me, documents that talk about what are, the what are the roles of the president? What are the roles of the first vice president? What are the roles of the secretary? What are the roles of the treasurer? So uh, uh, in developing your own manual, you can use those as a resource so you're not starting from scratch. <laughs> the next thing, uh, how many of you have a perfect state where everything you guys want, the, the uh, legislature just gives you, and everything is running really, really well? <laughs> I'm interested in moving, so I was just checking. Another thing on the thumb drive is um, and how many of you feel really comfortable walking into an office and, and advocating for what you want? Thank you. <laughs> I noticed nobody up here uh, said yes either. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, the Rehab Issues Task Force and the Advocacy Services Committee uh, decided to put together a Fundamentals of Affiliate Advocacy document and a checklist for success. So that is also on your thumb drive. 
and uh, the rehab, the, the Tools for Tomorrow seminar that's on Tuesday afternoon from 2.45 to 4, we're going to be talking kind of about that document. And uh, uh, it's, it was written not only from the standpoint of the Rehab Issues Task Force, you know, rehab issues, but it's also about transportation issues and, you know, whatever you want to, need to advocate for. Uh, it, uh, it gives you general, general ideas on how to, you know, how to go about it and, what, you know, uh, the best people to talk to, that kind of thing. So we're also going to be talking about advocacy uh, in general uh, on Tuesday, and then specifically, a little bit specifically on on uh, how we do, uh, how you would uh, advocate with your uh, rehabilitation agency. But uh, I, I encourage you to come to that session so that we can, uh, you know, you can get more comfortable with uh, advocacy. And by the way, advocacy, I think, is a great way to get your new members involved and feeling comfortable and confident about doing advocacy and therefore, you know, becoming a better leader for it. So, um, and, and, and there are lots of stuff that we got to cover in the community, both at the state level and the local level, for you know and advocate for so there's plenty of uh, advisory councils and boards that you know it can be you know you can put people on if, if you've got people who are interested so uh, and all this is going to be talked about on Tuesday and, and on the uh, in the document on the thumb drive so I just wanted to make you aware of that um, it is now my pleasure <laughs> to bring you to you uh, 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 an awesome advocate and also uh, an awesome leader, uh, and uh, the first woman president of the American Council of the Blind, Kim Charlson. Well, I have to say that I like Doug's introduction so much better than uh, Burl's. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, as many of you know, I have been kind of busy today with uh, um, 15 other individuals in our ACB Board of Directors meeting, which went until about 4.30 today. So, um, you know, I, f I first want to thank the people that kind of kept the seminar going, all the participants, because I kept most of the committee um, in my board meeting, so they really stepped up to the plate to be leaders um, for this Leadership Institute today. So thank you to all of you who made it happen. Um, when I came up to the fourth floor, I thought, oh my gosh, where's the, I'm late. Where's the, where's the Her Lake Harriet room? And I, I thought, well, it's quiet. I'm sure you all had that experience at 245, you know. So, so I was by the door and a lady went zipping past and I said, is this the Lake Harriet? She goes, oh, oops, sorry guys. Oh, hush. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I don't know who that was, but I just, I made him go away. <laughs> Sticky bun, I thought it was. <laughs> so she, she said, this is the Leadership Institute. They, they, no, oh. <laughs> Hi, you're in the middle of my meeting here, honey. <laughs> I'll call you back. <laughs> that was planned to see if you were 
that's, that's right. Remember to turn your phone off before you get up to say the motivational closing because you never know who's going to call. <laughs> Sticky bun will call you. <laughs> so anyway, I, I had, you know, I had the, the experience of kind of having this person... No, 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 you're not supposed to call me back. <laughs> okay. I'll call you when I'm done with my speech. How's that? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I still don't know who it is. I just told him I'd call him back. <laughs> my people will call your people. <laughs> But, you know, she told me I was in the right place. I came in. The room is packed. I was like, where did all these people come from? This is fantastic. So, you know, first I want to say there's obviously a lot of people in this room who care about their organization, who want to be a leader, who want to be an advocate, and you want to know how to do it the best possible way. So you've been given a lot of great advice today. And I think some of that advice is just, you know, take it to heart. Um, what, what's really important is that you all made it possible because you came to this session. You want to learn. You want to do the best job. Um, and I think you're on the, at the absolute right track to make a real difference. So I, I also want to recognize the, um, the eight J.P. Morgan ACB Leadership Fellows that are in the room. I am so proud of every single one of you um, for, you know, making the cut. It was not an easy decision. Eric and I made the final decision we had over 30 applicants, and uh, they were all good. And so we, um, we had a hard time deciding, but you all represent what we felt were the, the, the cream of the crop, the ones who have demonstrated that you want to make a difference wherever you live on the local, state, or national level. You've already started to do it in many cases, and with others of you, you want to do it right, and you want the guidance and the knowledge. So the J.P. Morgan ACB Leadership Fellows have the opportunity this week to, to become sponges and just soak up the, the knowledge, the guidance, the opportunities. And several people have talked about relationship building. Remember who you talk to, because you can talk to them again after the convention. This isn't the only place where they'll talk to you. I'm sure I can guarantee they will continue to talk with you if you have questions on any aspect of, of your work in your affiliate. My expectation of the fellows and of all of you is that you're going to go back home and you're going to make a difference. And however you choose to make that difference, your path may be a little easier because you have colleagues, friends, mentors. Um, 
one thing I've learned in my advocacy career is passion hurt. Passion helps, not passion hurts. Passion. <laughs> that sounds like a different kind of workshop. I don't think we're going to go there. <laughs> so, that's right. <laughs> I told you I'd had a long day. <laughs> so your, your passion can really help you to motivate others, to bring others along, and make it fun. Make it fun for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't. Don't make it be like, oh, my God, I've got to go to the legislature today and I've got to testify on a bill. Find a couple people to go with you. Make it fun. If you have to spend six hours at the legislature, you might as well do it with people you like and then go out to dinner afterwards and have a good time. Make it work for you. It's, it's not a chore. It's not a trial. It really is an empowering experience it's a growth experience for all of you, and you are going to be ready to mentor others. You may not think, to, think so today, but I know the fact that you're here means you care. And that's what I saw in those applications for the J.P. Morgan Chase ACB Leadership Fellows. And the eight people that we selected... I know they're going to make a difference. And you'll have a lot of opportunities to meet those folks um, tomorrow night. They're going to be profiled on the agenda. They're going to sit on the stage with me. The whole evening they have to stay up there. <laughs> That's right. But I think you'll see them in a lot of the workshops. I want to um, encourage you to attend the Advocacy Rehab Issues workshop that Doug talked about, and also the membership workshop at 245 on Thursday. There's going to be a lot of good information there as well to help you grow your membership. And several of you have mentioned you need help, that you're, you're floundering in your state. So the membership workshop is the place to go. We can help you. We can try to, to dig down and see what, what we can do to help Delaware or other states. We don't want you to flounder. We don't want you to go away. We want you to be part of the ACB family. And by working together, we can make that happen. So in closing, again, I just want to thank all of you for your participation, for the fact that you care and for the fact that you are going to make a difference. Thank you so much. And I'm going to turn this back to Jim, who's got our last-minute logistics. This was a family-friendly show until Kim got up here. So, uh, Anyway, before we, before we wrap this thing up, we do have thumb drives up here that we're going to pass out as you leave. I do know for a fact we probably don't have enough. So if you are one of the unfortunate few that don't get one, we will take names and, and get you one, email it to you, what have you. So if I can have uh, Mark and Kathy, if you don't mind passing these out as people leave. 
uh, we will um, we will call this thing adjourned. And thanks for coming and get your thumb drives. Thanks.